You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Amen. Good to see you, family. Um, seems like it's only been a week. Actually, it has. And uh, I got to come out and see a bunch of you guys, got to be live in front of people, which you don't know how much it has been a long time. Um, haven't done many live events. So thank you for the way you guys took care of me. And uh, Steve and Carrie, I appreciate you guys have just been wonderful. Um, so we are over halfway through heading down the home stretch. Before I get started, I want to introduce a friend. Um his name is John Basilio, and he's from, well, he's in North Carolina now. Presently at the moment, he's in New Jersey, but he's been in the ministry all over the place, been a faithful brother for many years. But God brought him into my life at just the right time, and we just clicked right away. We've been working on that um, for months. I mean, we, we get together uh, by Zoom at least weekly and just do life together, go real deep. And uh, we've helped each other through some storms. So I just want to say, hey, John, introduce yourself. Buenas noches, Iglesia. ¿Cómo están ustedes? Estoy muy contento de estar con ustedes. Y espero que todos puedan entender lo que estoy diciendo. Eh, no hablo inglés. No, I'm just kidding. I do speak English. <laughs> um, everything that Kit said, I'm very excited for you guys. And it is very awesome to see all your faces, different ages, different nationalities. I love our church. I love our family. And I'm very Thankful and honored to be uh, with you guys tonight. So, Kit, take take your time, bro. I know you don't have a lot, so thank yeah. you for introducing me. Yeah, thanks, John. And there is a reason that that John's on here, other than just he he enjoys it. But um, he he and I are going to partner on uh, doing forty days of tra- uh, prayer with some of our Spanish speaking churches. So we're having the forty days of prayer translated into Spanish, and we're going to partner on that. Do uh, Paraguay next, and then Mexico City. And so uh, we we have been leading toward this. So now we're doing a lot of these together. So day 20, uh, day 28. Okay, you've probably heard it said, I don't know what the science says, that it takes about 28 days to change a habit. Anybody ever heard that? And it's for, for whatever reason, about a month. I like 40 better. 40 is the number uh, that is trial and temptation and transformation. You see, when people are involved in 40, they're usually in turmoil. Jesus out in the desert, you know, Noah and the rain and the 40 years and just this number 40. I love it, but it's also long enough to really change some habits. So if you've been actually trying the steps for 28 days in a row, you should see Uncle G starting to let go a little bit. Now, God created him, designed him to work on habits so that we can function. I mean, if we had to relearn everything all the time, we wouldn't be able to get anything done. So we have this amazing three-and-a-half-pound universe that allows us to experience the world. Nobody sees things exactly the same way. We've all been living behind our eyeballs our whole lives, and we have a way that we see the world, the way we see people, the way we see the church, the way we see threats, opportunities, the way we see God. And it has to do with your experiences, your relationships, your family, who you hung with, the storms that have come through your life. I mean, everything you've ever done, Uncle G's been watching. 
and he's been paying attention and what you do the most often and whatever he does often, he does very well. And once you do something long enough and he figures out that this is a habit, this must be important, then it gets pushed down into the deep, murky subconscious. And that is what drives us. Today, about 97% of what you got done today was in the subconscious mind. So you were only present and conscious for a, a small bit of all the things that your brain did today. So you've got habits that very well might be in place that are fighting against the things that you say you want. And so if you've got, you keep doing the same things over and over, expecting different results. We call that insanity. I think it was Uncle Albert that said that. But this is 40 days to change some habits. And you can do it however you want to do it. But this is a great way to get started and just break some habits. So, the habit of getting on your knees every morning. You've been doing that 28 days in a row. I guarantee you, you're just flopping out of bed right on your knees and having your little caveman prayer like me, real quick, right in the bathroom. But it has changed my life because it, it gets me to look at him first. First waking moments, get Uncle G focused on him. It sets the trajectory of your day. Writing down my prayers it changed my life because I could look at them every single day and I could get specific. And I mean, as many as you want, writing down the things that scare me a little bit, man, it increased my faith. But then when I started to take measurable steps toward those prayers in the morning, when I'm going through my impossible prayers, I imagine them. Uh, what's it going to be like when the answer shows up? I try to imagine the reunion or the person coming back or the health that returns or the financial resources that you need. But a lot of times I'll get a little tap on the shoulder and I pay attention to those little nudges and I'll make a note or even send a text because I'm not in my deep prayer time. I'm just, I'm imagining I'm working as part of my time starting to journal it really started to focus my mind. You know, when you're just kind of in that cloud and you just got up, just the simple act of journaling and expressing the biggest thing that's on my heart when I wake up, the one thing, <gasps> you ever wake up and it's that first thought, maybe it's a fear or it could be an excitement. You got something coming up and, <gasps> you know, it's the first thing. Journaling centers you. But also if you start looking for God's fingerprints, you will find him around you. And Uncle G looks for what you tell him is important. That's the way he works, is whatever is relevant to you, that is what you notice. Habits can be good or bad. He doesn't care. Worrying is a habit. If I worry and worry and worry and worry, he thinks that that's natural, so we just do it. And then you start seeing things that go along with what you fear, and you see evidence everywhere of your fear. The same is true with faith. When you start to really get locked in on what you want, what you desire, what you love, there's courage in that. When we're trying to avoid things that we hate and worrying about things that might happen that might not even come, then we live in a, a, a state of fear. Either love or fear is where we're going to live. And we're going to look at that in this next thing. Hopefully, repenting quickly is starting to come to you, to where we don't get all jacked up when we mess up, just the quicker we can repent. The Holy Spirit loves repentance. That's the time of refreshing that comes when we repent. The Holy Spirit loves when we turn around and our eyes are open and we can see him again. 
Today, I just want to jump right in to the, the question. Okay, so this is after, this is week four discussion, and we're going to look in Luke 8, verse 22. It says, one day Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped, and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided, and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Famous story. Jesus, worn out from the day's events, finally gets some time to himself. They're in the boat. They're setting out. He's with fishermen. They know how to deal with this. He takes a nap. Now, I imagine he slept sound. I mean, when you're totally at peace, you get some good sleep. When you're not, you don't. Jesus has crashed. All of a sudden, a squall comes out of nowhere. Just a storm hits the lake, and it said they were in great danger. I mean, this was real. It wasn't something they were just, they freaked out and then got all over Jesus. They were really in trouble and Jesus was sleeping while they were in trouble. And so they go and it says they woke him. Think about when you get woken from a sound sleep. If somebody wakes you up, I mean, it, that, that, that's enough to kind of get you kind of riled up anyway. If somebody bothers your sleep, Jesus gets woken up and they're attacking his character. You think about it. If I told Steve, Steve and I are friends, right, and I, I I got so mad at him, I said, Steve, you don't care if I live or die, bro. I mean, think about what an indictment on his character that would be. You don't care. And I'm basically quoting out of Mark 4, same story. So it didn't just say, Jesus, we're going to drown. Save us. They said, you don't care if we drown. So I want you to think about that. The storm comes into their life unexpected, they're in great danger, immediately they turn on God and they conclude he must not care about us. That was a short little trip. You ever feel like that? You ever feel like you're in the midst of the storm? And man, you've studied your Bible for years. You've prayed for years. You've shared and you've come to, you've done all the things. And now all of a sudden a storm has come out of nowhere. And this is it. You've got to have help. You feel like, or maybe you are, in great danger. And it feels like Jesus is asleep. Like he doesn't care. I know somebody probably feels like that. He cares about everybody but me. You know, I see him blessing her. I see him. Everything seems to be going good for him. Well, what about my prayers? What about my impossible prayers? See, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And after years and years and years of doing this religion thing, it's easy to get calloused and to stop believing in miracles. I love the way this program changes the energy of the word miracle. Because as we said last week, everything's a miracle or nothing is. I believe in the former. Everything's a miracle. Every breath is a miracle. Every day is a miracle. And when he gets involved in human affairs, it is miraculous. But it's when the storms come. This storm just showed up. 
just out of nowhere. And that's how it works. That's one of the things that, that John and I have gotten so close over. It's not the kind of friendship where we just trip out and hang out, and watch ball games. We don't get to be in the same town. So we carve out time. We have been through some storms together. You know, he's going through some things. I'm going through some things. Both of them have to do with family. I mean, do you have a family member that's going through a storm? I mean, I'd rather suffer myself than see one of my kids or my wife suffer. And when you're going through a storm, I pray that you've got that ride or die is what we call it. To where you know that you know that you know that they're there for you and you do life together. You don't have to have some kind of relationship that's designed and it's him and her, whatever it is. It's like I need people that I can ride through the storms with. Man, my wife, she's a little soldier. We've been through some stuff together, and that's why we're so close. But the storms, obviously, we don't ask for the storms. But when they come, they're so valuable. Pain is valuable. When times are going great and the money's good and the marriage is good and the kids are healthy and everybody's good and life is awesome, it's not, you, you can't tell what kind of faith you have. It's when the storms come that test the quality of your faith. The fire burns away, you know, the, everything but the gold, and it refines our faith so it can be pure. And yet we hate the storms. But I know, man, over the pandemic, we had a chance to spend a whole lot of time by the ocean. The family had a little place down there, and it was the pandemic, and we were in quarantine anyway. And... It was just this, it was divine, and I didn't know it. I mean, it was like, who doesn't want to be by the ocean? We had this cool little place, and, I mean, you walk to the ocean. And I spent hours and hours over months praying on that ocean. But it wasn't nice little calm prayers, man. Sometimes I was walking, and I did a lot of weeping on that beach. I'm talking just begging God. Praying for signs, begging for, you know, my loved ones that were going through it. And I found a depth that I didn't know I had, but it was through pain. You know, I was asked in an interview the other day, man, what about this crazy last year? And I said, it's been the greatest year of my life and the hardest year of my life at the same time. Have you ever had it like that? The hardest year of my life was the greatest year of my life. And I'm not going to lie, this is good for me tonight. You know, I'll stay up till midnight, you know, doing this, but I need it. I need time to commune, time to have fellowship, time to be able to pour out my heart because this has been a real time of testing. And so I've never had to practice my principles more than I have in this season of life. Is it possible for you to see the storm as a blessing? That, you know, last week we talked about the dark passenger, the thorn that comes into your life, and it's not you, and it is from the evil one, but it's directed by the Father, in Paul's case, to keep him from becoming conceited. He was given this thorn, this messenger of the devil, and it turned out to be a blessing. And Paul, he boasted about his thorn. 
I don't think he would have let it go. And I talked about the same thing with, with my addiction. I hated it. I cursed it. I pleaded, take it away until I figured out that it was so valuable because it helped keep me humble. It helped me rely on him and it helped me not rely on the things that a lot of people turn to when they're hurting. I can't do that. I just can't. And so I began to value my thorn. Well, what about the storm? What if we got to the point where we could value the storm and praise God for the storm because it's helping me get deeper and it's helping me rely on you more and it's refining us. See, the, you know, some storms we bring on ourselves. I think most of the storms in my life I've brought on myself. But there's other times when storms just show up. A dear friend right now who's, I mean, they've already been through a lot, but they're incredible. People are, they know them all over the kingdom. They're just faith warriors. Found out that she has a very advanced stage cancer. And that's a storm that just shows up out of nowhere. And all of a sudden, life changes in a moment. And now you find out, man, is this thing real? Because I, <laughs> I found myself this week feeling like, man, bro, you know, talking to myself, you better practice the principles, man. You can't get a fly out to L.A. and yeah, preach the word. And everybody's like, way to go, bro. You're so strong. And then I'm having doubts myself. I mean, are you sleeping? I mean, do you, do you see this? And yet I'm the one that's supposed to be that. I'm no expert on this thing. Shoot, I mean, I I am weak. Paul learned the secret of weakness, the power in weakness. God said, my grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in weakness. So I began to, John and I remind each other of this. We're going through something. Most of the time you say, hey, man, be strong, bro. Come on, be strong. You can get through this. But instead... <laughs> We say, hey, stay weak, bro. I mean, stay weak. Because when I am weak, he is strong. And so the, the enemy, the storm in my life is fear. I just broke it down to its most basic element. There is love and there is fear. And I am always in one of those two places. And they are mutually exclusive. They cannot inhabit the same spot. And so when I'm focused on what I love, I have courage. Love will get us to, to jump in front of a bullet. I mean, love is self-sacrificing. Love is tremendous courage. Hate, fear. Man, if I'm, if I'm worried about it, if I'm fearing things that I don't want to happen, then all my focus is on my fear. And the brothers, man, they were focused on the storm. And when we focus on the storm and take our eyes off of him, that's when we begin to sink. They didn't see him, and they had been with him for so long. I want to ask you, how long have you been with him? And I started thinking about that. When I get afraid, if it's afraid for a loved one or afraid for the future or afraid for finances or whatever it is, really, that's the test. And so I think when Jesus, you know, the storm is raging, Jesus is woken up They're, you know, rebuking the Lord. And he, I'm amazed that he never got mad at him. He never got mad. 
I mean, when they would, I mean, when they would just act a fool, he never lost his temper and rebuked them. That he was so gentle with them. And he looked at him, and I used to think he was kind of angry. It's like, where's your faith? And instead, I think it was like, okay, this, the calm, is, the, the storm is now subsided. Look around. Look at me. Look at me. Where's your faith? Like right now in the storm, where's your faith? Because that's the true faith that I have, is the faith in the storm. That is my true faith. Anybody can have faith. When it's going on. So I want to ask you, what is the storm in your life? Is it an ailment? Is it a relationship? Is it your marriage? Is it finances? Is it fear of the unknown about a job or lack of one? What is the storm? And then I want to ask you if you can value the storm. Pain is powerful. Pain will change you. But I'm telling you, this whole thing is about changing the way we think. If I can't change my mind, then I cannot change my life. And in the storm, I get a chance to choose. Am I going to focus on what I love or what I fear? Am I going to choose the, the one I believe in or am I going to choose the storm? And it's time for me to choose. And so I decided, man, I'm going after my fear. I'm not going to let fear dominate my life takes away confidence, takes away courage, it takes away power, fear, it debilitates. And so I thought perfect love drives out fear. Perfect love. It's like turn on the light and the darkness dissipates. It wasn't even real. Fear is an illusion. 99% of the things we fear never come to pass. 99% of the things we fear never come to pass. It's psychological. So tonight, I want you to look at your storm, look at your life, because it seems like everybody's going through a lot of stuff right now. I mean, there's a whole lot of stuff going on with a whole lot of people. And the way I see the storm makes all the difference. Steve, have I told you about the old man and the horse? See, I've always got to ask those questions. Sometimes I'll jump off on a story and you're all sitting there going, yeah, you told us that one, bro. I don't think you have told the story. I I don't recall, but I think I know the story, but yeah, it's a good well, one. Yeah, it, well, it's very apropos. So there's an old man and lives in a, a little bitty farm outside a village, middle of nowhere. He's got a strong son. He doesn't have a wife. She passed. He's a widower, and he's he's got enough, but very poor. But they have this stallion. He's got this horse that's his most valuable possession. It's really the only thing he owns of true value. And so when times get tight, they have a hard time. So whenever it's really, really tight, people come from the village, and they try to buy the horse, and he won't sell it. And so the people say, you fool, you old man, you ought to sell the horse. It's the thing of value. It'll get you through this storm. And he says, I'll never sell the horse. It's like family to me. And they laugh at him, call him a fool. A couple weeks later, a big storm rolls into town. And in the middle of the night, the, the corral's busted open and the horse runs away. And so just like that, he loses his most valuable possession. Basically, he's going to be broke. 
And so all the people in the town, they hear about it, and they come out, and they start asking. They're like, oh, man, you fool. You should have sold it when you had the chance. And now, look, the horse has run away. What do you have to say for yourself? And the old man said, we don't know if it's a blessing or a curse. We just know that my horse has run away. And they're like, yeah, whatever. And, you know, they're talking about it, and they laugh at him, go back to the village. So a few weeks go by, and, and one day, all of a sudden, the horse comes back. And with it, 12 more. So in one day, the, the sun goes out and he's corralling the horses into the barn and into the, and in one fell swoop, he becomes the richest man in town. He's got 13 stallions. Word gets out quick and all the people come out and they're like, oh my gosh, it wasn't a curse. It was a blessing. Your horse ran away, but it brought back 12 more. Now you're rich. What do you have to say for yourself? And the old man said, we don't know if it's a blessing or a curse. We just know that my horse returned and brought 12 more. Yeah, whatever, you old fool, man, that was a blessing. And they run off. Well, now he's got all these horses, and they're wild. And so his son's got to go out and break them. And so the son gets on the horse, he's thrown off. That's what happens with a horse, man. you got to get on him, get bucked off, get on him, get bucked off, get on Now, finally, the horse has a moment of clarity. He comes to the senses and says, I can't win this battle. And he is meat. He is broken. But on one of the horses, he gets tossed real high, and boom, he fell down. He broke his leg. And so now, oh, my gosh, his only worker has a broken leg, and the word gets out, and all the people come out and say, oh, my gosh, it wasn't a blessing. It was a curse. If those 12 horses hadn't come here, your, your son would be okay. Now he can't work the farm. You're going to lose everything. What do you have to say for yourself, old man? And he said, we don't know if it's a blessing or a curse. We just know that my son has a broken leg. And they're like, whatever. And they're doing their thing and they take off. Well, a war breaks out in the neighboring countryside and all the young men of the village, they've got to go off and fight in the war. And many of them are going to die, but his can't go because he's in bed with a broken leg. So all the people came out and they're like, la, 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 la. They're like, oh my gosh, it was a blessing. If he hadn't broken his leg, then he'd be dying in the battle with our sons. What do you have to say for yourself? You're the luckiest man in the world. And he said, when will you people ever learn? We don't know if it's a blessing or a curse. We see one line of the poem and think we understand the whole story. We see one page of the book and think we know. We hear one line of the song and think we understand the verse. We don't know if it's a blessing or a curse. So look at your biggest fear, your biggest problem, the biggest storm you have in your life and change perspective. And I want to let you do this. Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? Like, really, do you believe in the Holy Spirit? We talk to the Father and we preach Jesus, but a lot of times the Holy Spirit is ignored. And I told you, that is what drove me when I was out there on my own. It was just me and him. I had to get to know the spirit because I needed to know where to go. And I mean, I was really in these crazy places and he became all the things that I had read about. I'm still chasing him. Like I wasn't listening to him today. Jesus said, he's the comforter. Are you in pain? Are you suffering? Let him minister to you. 
like set aside some time to spend time with the Holy Spirit and just listen, meditate, ask for him. God, uh, the, the father said, Jesus said, who asked the father for a piece of bread and get a snake? He said in the same way, won't the father give the Holy Spirit to anyone who asks him? Pray for the spirit to comfort you and let him minister to you. It says that he's the counselor. Right now, I'm asking him. Just today, I'm like, you got to give me an answer on this. I'm praying for an answer. Give me an idea. Just make it clear. Let him be the counselor. Jesus said he's the advocate. That means he fights your battles. And so sometimes you got to say, spirit, you got to fight this battle. I can't. I got nothing left. I'm weak. When I'm weak, I'm strong because it allows the Holy Spirit to get involved. This week, I want you to seek the Holy Spirit. Pray that God will let you hear his voice. Pay attention to the little nudges that you have and really begin to develop a relationship with this ruach, this spirit, this energy, this holy energy that inhabits you. And lastly, imagine this golden ball of light that is right here in the middle of your being, just this just unapproachable light, blinding light that dwells inside of you that we can't see, but it's pure God stuff. And then try to figure out what's got it covered up. What's the bushel that's on part of, on this, this incredible light, whether it be sin or doubt. In my case, it was fear. And fear was getting in the way of me seeing the power of God. And so this week, let's look at our storms differently and let's find hope. Because hope, man, hope is that little, just little thing that says it's going to be okay. He's going to provide a way out of no way. That's what hope is. Steve, I'm going to throw it back to you because we're going to leave a little bit more time tonight. If there is a place where you can get to, you know, like the, the what's the unforgivable sin, you know, the, the Pharisees gotten to the point where they were attributing the work of the devil to Jesus. And Jesus said, I can't help you with that. And so is there a place we can get to when we no longer can believe? I guess it's possible. I can tell you, Jasmine, through experience. I'm telling you, I ran as far away from God as I could, and he wouldn't let me go. You talk about, you know, things that disciples don't do. I mean, I crashed. I became the guy I used to be. I just, I messed it up. And he would not let me go. And the spirit is a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. That deposit is mine. It is inside of me. It does not depend on my works. But here's the deal. If if I take that Holy Spirit and I, I walk away from God's people and I walk away from God's word and I walk away from the Father's love and I take that spirit, that spirit is not going to stop working on me. I'll be I'm miserable without him. That's the Holy Spirit inside of me that longs to be connected to the Father. And so. I mean, can you? I, I mean, I guess there's a place you can get to. I don't want to try to get close to it. But, I, but I'd, I'd hate to live a life where when I'm doing good, I feel like the Spirit's in me. And when I'm doing bad, he's taking it away. 
And yeah. you see what I'm saying? Because that's not understanding who he is. So that's that's my opinion of it. How do you change your perspective in the middle of a storm? Mm. What, are your, what are some practicals? Well, I mean, I think said the word is perspective. You know, I think about suffering, and I can always think of, of somebody that's going through something harder than I am. And and really just um, I, I look at the storm and I say, is there anything that I can do to control it? If it's outside of my control, there's nothing I can do about it. And so to try to get outside of it and look at it from God's perspective and realize that I've been through storms before. Okay, so when I, if I'm going, well, I am going through a storm with a loved one. And when I'm in the middle of a storm or if I'm facing fear myself, it's good for me to remember all that God has done. And he taught Israel to do that, to remember what he has done so that when we go through the storms, that I know he's never, ever let me down. He wouldn't let me go. He fights for me. And I know that he, even if he's asleep, Jesus was asleep, but he wasn't out of control. And so God's proven to me over and over and over. So in the current storm, I'm going to remind myself that he's always had me every single time when I thought that I I couldn't, you know, it was impossible. He's always come through. And then I just try to get a um, move away from and get a a perspective and think of the eternal, you know, an eternal perspective is forever and ever, ever. And however intense the storm is, it is temporary. It's not forever. And so it kind of helps me, you know, see it differently. And then it's a matter of, okay, God, what do you want me to learn from this and wrestle with him? Mm. He'll let you know. Well, because I'm a knucklehead. And I and I look back, it's easy to see that, man, God is the, he's the giver of the blessing. Now, like I said, I mean, Paul, he had a lot of reasons to put confidence in the flesh. A lot of reasons. And so that's why God gave him something that kept him humble. I think my nature is I've got a lot of reasons to be confident in myself. And so when I do tend to think too much, God is able to humble But I think if we're looking for blessings, and this is one of the cool things about this, is when you're asking him for things and then you're going out looking for signs, you don't dare take credit for it. It'd be silly to take credit for it because you're looking for him in everything. If you're not looking for him, not paying attention, missing everything he's doing, and then something good happens, well, then, of course, it it must be me. But it's all a matter of what you're looking for. Am I looking for him to work on my behalf or am I relying on me? God, that's I'm preaching to myself right now. <laughs> that's what it is. I don't know if that helps, Kenzie. Great question. I think most of the time they don't happen the way I think they're going to. That's why you've got to pay attention. Because I think a lot of times we'll be asking for something specific and we're so fixated on what we're praying for and we're not paying attention. And I think the answer can come and we don't even see it. I don't I don't think all the time. And then so, you know, that's another reason to really review your prayers and to refine them and wrestle with them because you're going to notice them when they show up. And what I do is uh, this one I'm on. I've got one more week. I'm on day 33 of this one. And this thing is just torn up. So uh, the way I do it 
is when I circle it, it's like I see God all over this. This is obvious. He is he's moved on this thing. When I darken it in, it's like it's a wrap. Okay, I I see that. That's what happened. Do I roll them over? Absolutely. So as soon as I get done with this one, when I start the new one, I'm going to come up. I've got about 40 of them on this one. And so a lot of those are going to transfer over. A lot of them have already happened. But then I'm going to have a bunch of new needs on this next one. So it's it's always just a rolling thing. I'm doing these all the time. And that's when I heard somebody in the in the first part of this say, man, I'm going to do it again. Um, oh, yeah, do it again and again and again, and then make it your own. Come up with your own process. Um, but, yeah, there's some that keep on rolling over that I've been waiting on, and some seeds take longer to grow. You know, I told you the biggest answer prayer of my life coming back to God was, if you let me preach the word again, I'll go to the prisoners. I'll go to the people nobody wants to go to. And I was so serious, said it in tears. I meant it. It took three years before he decided I was ready. So sometime we'll ask for something and we think we're ready for it. And he knows as the perfect father that not you need a little more time. You're not mature enough to handle that, but I'm going to give it to you. So he says yes, but it's just delayed because we need to get to a certain place. And that's the way I see it anyway. Surrender to his will, not my will, but yours be done. But I don't surrender on my my yearning, my heart's desire, you know, for whatever it is. And so, I, you know, I keep that burning, but it, but it's not a resentment. It's, there's got to be a trust that if he answers it the way I want him to, amen. If he doesn't the way I want him to, that's fine too. If he takes his time on it, there must be a reason. And if he says no, then I must not be able to handle it. Now, I can't say I stay in that place, but it's a basic trust, and we're supposed to be like little children. And children look at their daddy and their mommy, and they don't think, you know, that, that anything's impossible. They just ask, and they ask, and they ask, and they ask, and they never stop asking. And the childlike faith, I think, is the one that just trusts in the Father that he's perfect. He loves me. He knows all things. He knows I want this, and I believe that he is working on it and around me. I'm just not seeing it. But I will go through that list, and the ones that I'm seeing absolutely nothing, I'll spend some time on, and I even have a little mark that I make for it, or I'll put a question mark next to it, and that's my way of saying, I don't see you. Show me yourself today. I mean, I'm begging to show me yourself today. And that helps me go and still believe there's an answer, you know, because he always answers. Every, what does it say? Every answer is yes in Jesus. Every promise is yes. One, I feel for you. You know, because I've I've been there. I know what that feels like, you know, for for extended periods of time. And, you know, I pray, you know, today I prayed, Father, give me the peace that passes understanding. You know, please, you know, give me the peace. There's times when a lot of times it comes at night, right? I mean, it's when you're trying to go to sleep and you've got these worries on your mind. I think mantras are very powerful. You know, mm-hmm. statements that you just say over and over again. You just bathe in it, and it can be whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I am that I am. You know, say mm-hmm. that over and over. I am that I am. Because you're just saying God's name mm-hmm. over and over. And just let it kind of just bathe over you.
Mm-hmm. And really, I don't know how you feel about the, the Holy Spirit and the things we've been talking about, but I guarantee you that is his specialty is comforting people that are going through what you're going through. Mm-hmm. And there's no easy answer to this. Um, I pray that you have somebody that you can really, really talk to and lean on and cry with. And I pray that they, they'll, they'll sit with you and, and allow you just to be yourself. Um, and if you have somebody like that, that's a blessing. If you don't, pray that God will provide. You know, because it's very hard to go through what you're going through all by yourself because the loneliness is hard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's hard to get out of your head. And so a lot of times to get out of my head, it means getting into something. You can't think your way out of a problem that you thought your way into. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I'll do something physical, you know, or I'll do something that I love, you know, something that replaces the state that I'm in. And a lot of times being around somebody that you love and trust can do that for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's no great answer in that other than, you know, God. I would say this. You're wrestling with God and mm-hmm. the kind of relationship that you must have with him is what many brothers and sisters pray for mm-hmm. because they just don't feel it. I don't feel a connection. You know, praying is kind of like, oh, I forgot to pray. You know, I should have had a quiet time, but I hadn't had one in 13 days. You know, whatever it is, you're not like that. You hold on to him. You wrestle with him. You you rely on him. So I don't know if that's a perspective change for you. You've got a very special relationship with God, I think. But sometimes you're not able to see it. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 So you're very, very special to him. And, you know, a lot of people need what you have. But but what you're going through has forced you to him. Yeah. So in that way, you know, there's some sort of blessing there, although I would never call what you're going through a blessing. Yeah. (laughs) But, But it can be in the long run. Thank you. Thank you. I told I told somebody I love a whole lot. I said, one day you're going to write a card to me and you're going to say, you were right. It's all worth it. Cause I, cause I've been telling it's worth it. Just hang in there. It is worth it. You're going to get on the other side and you're going to see it and you're going to say it's worth it. And so that's what I'm encouraging you with. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe the white knuckling is when we're really fighting for faith. Maybe that's the the heroic time and when everything just, I mean, sometimes faith is easy. I'm very emotional. So sometimes I'll just feel just ah, like everything's great and everything's not. It just feels like it. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Right. But there's other times like lately where I'm just, I'm holding on and I'm fighting and I'm praying. And then I, you know, it's just, it's a battle. But that's the story we read tonight. It's when the storm is scary. You know, the wind and the waves are scary. It feels very dangerous. We we don't, the unknown is scary. And that's when Jesus says, where's your faith? So it's spending time with Jesus, you know, which is, is the answer, you know, to mm-hmm. it. But if when I have to white knuckle, I white knuckle, you know, when it's easy, I say, yay. So right. okay. either way, I don't think God is as hard on us as we are on ourselves. I don't know right. that analyzing it as much as we do. I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Because, you know. 
Okay, guys, that concludes our night. I do want to close out with a final prayer. I want to ask our guest, John Basilio, yeah. to close us out. Prayer. We got Nate here. It's great to have him here. So uh, go Absolutely. ahead, John. Absolutely. Uh, amen, amen. Well, this has been very special to be with each other. I, I uh, wanted to mention a few things because I, I wrote them down as I heard them. So, And I know I'm going to miss out on people, but I will pray. Over this tonight and a couple things that were mentioned throughout the sharing. So, Father, thank you for tonight. Uh, it is such an honor to come before you as your children, asking you for your blessing, asking you uh, to help us with our faith. And, Father, because we want to put it all on you. And we know that we have men and women, brothers and sisters on this call tonight that, that are calling out to you, that are that sometimes don't know uh, where to draw strength from, but they know Father, that going to you is where they're going to get their strength. And, Father, just like uh, Kit and I have been trying to practice this on our own, Father, we want to be weak so that you can provide the strength and help us to be strong. And so I'm praying for my brother, Doug Bundy, Father, who's going through a lot right now with his health. And whether that's chronic or pain, things that he's going through, please bless him and help everyone like Doug or similar to Doug or have family members like Doug that are going through what they're going through. Help him and strengthen him. Father, we pray for for Nisi, uh, the gold pieces that you've put in Santa Monica so that many men and women get to know uh, God through her, Father. I pray that there'd be many blessings and many stories come out of Santa Monica is going to bless the church out in, in West Los Angeles. Father, I pray for uh, all of uh, the things that are going on with Nidra in particular as she shared. Father, the things that she's going through emotionally, God, it breaks my heart because I know she's my sister and it breaks all of our hearts when we feel alone or we feel like we don't have the, the, the help that we need. And God, yet I know that the blessing is coming. I know that the blessing is there for us to grab it. All we need to do is keep our eyes focused on you. God, the stories that the disciples shared uh, after that storm is the stories that we expect to, to share. God, when you come through and help us in those areas and those places where we, feel, where we feel like we need help. Father, I pray for all of our family members, friends, brothers and sisters that are in the prisons. Father, we pray a special prayer for them tonight. Some of them are feeling very helpless. And God, we, we don't know what that's like. If we've never been in prison. We don't know what that's like. But God, you know what that's like. And God, it is our call to not just love them, but God, to go to them. And I pray that in our prayers tonight, that, uh, that we would just visualize someone that's in prison, maybe that we know that we don't know, and we send them the strength that they may need, Father, as we are, are working and weeping and, and, and just really calling out to you for help, Father, that we can just come together as a community. Because I really believe that when we come together in community, things happen, supernatural things happen that are powerful, way beyond what we can imagine when we come together and pray. And so, Father, I pray that you continue to bless this 40 days of prayer uh, with this particular group. And, and, God, that many, many blessings come in such a way that, God, we can only say it came from you. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.